Just a warning that this episode does get quite heavy. If you ever need support, please contact Lifeline on 131114. I'm Jason. And I'm Maddie. And this is Making Sense of Chaos. A podcast about death and dying, love, grief and hope. On our show, we talk to all kinds of people who through various trajectories have found themselves trying to explain the unexplainable. Trying to accept the unacceptable. Trying to make sense of chaos. Hey guys, just a quick announcement before we start. This podcast now has an Instagram page. It's called Making Sense of Chaos, or one word. And we'd love to start a little community over there. So if you could give us a follow, that would be awesome. Now, back to the episode. So, Chloe, it's just me and you today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Maddie. So, Chloe, why don't you describe yourself, tell listeners a little bit about who you are as we sit in your car on this very hot 30-something degree day where I made you record the podcast. Yes. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm Chloe. Um, This is my least favourite question out of every question ever (laughs) on this planet. Um, But basically, I'm a... Master of Counselling student. Um, I'm about to move to Canberra, which is very exciting, um, to pursue school counselling. And um, yeah, again, I'm very bad at answering this question. What should I say about myself? I really like to do Zumba. Zumba? On the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of Zumba? Um, I only know one type, just at the gym. <laughs> Nice. I feel like Zumba was like a a massive phase like a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's back. And now it's back. (laughs) It's really back. It's clearly my identity. That's all I can think of to describe myself. (laughs) Counseling and Zumba. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. um, Why do you reckon, other than, you know, our amazing um, connections into a seven. <laughs> Why did you agree to come on the podcast? Um, well, I actually asked you if I could be on the podcast, which was um, like six months ago, and then you finally had time for me. So, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Why no, did you no, ask no. us? Um, no, I was. You know, it was a Saturday night, and I was listening to one of the episodes, and I. Do you remember which one? Yeah, it was actually Gemma's one. Um, with her experience with um, cancer and I you know I've known Gemma since I was a child and I just learned a lot from that podcast and I was like really like when I listen to things I listen really intently and I took notes and I sent her this message after like with all these notes I took but um if I knew all the other people as well I'd probably send them notes as well like I know it's my uh it's funny like I literally take notes at every episode um but I thought, you know, I have, like, I have, you know, experiences in my life that I would love to share on your platform, which you've so kindly and, you know, you and Jason have created. And it's really, I think, making making change in the way we talk about things. I remember your first episodes, you spoke about, like, the intro was about, like, talking about everything but dinner talk, mm. dinner table talk. Mm. I think it's changed a bit now. But um, I was just like... You know, this is my jam. Okay, so let's go the complete opposite of dinner table talk yeah. in your life. Yeah. So <laughs> what would go on that list? Um, the opposite of dinner table talk? Yeah. Um, For your life. Well, we'd go with, like, grief is, like, a huge topic in my life. Um, mental health and, you know, mental health beyond anxiety and depression um which obviously two very common and valid mental um illnesses but um you know I have experiences beyond that and I was only taught 
to really be able to talk about those two. Mm. So, um, you know, my experiences beyond that. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. those would be the main two. Yeah. I guess, yeah. um, yeah, the main two and just, I guess just like perspectives on life. And it's funny, like I'm a 23 year old person who like has so many thoughts on death and actually, you know, as we were talking about before, like actually in Judaism, it's really, um, it's not very, um, accepted, acceptable to have all these like thoughts on death all the time when like you're young, you know, you've got a life to live, enjoy it. Like, you know, don't think about the, the end per se. Like it's very, um, but you know, I have been thinking about like the end of my life since I was like, I'd say like eight years old. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I think about that and would love if I had like an open network to talk about that with all the time as well. Mm. But um, yeah, so three things. <laughs> mm. So when did you start thinking about grief in the way that you think about it now? Um, well, like I've had. So basically I started thinking about, um, I know like death and grief are like two separate things, but grief can come from death. Um, but I started thinking when I was really young about um, death um, due to like at eight years old I was just a very sad like person a sad child and I always like I was just always thinking about like when am I not going to be sad and I had like you know like quite a fair bit going on for like a child in my household and um, I actually grew up like my mum was really sick like my whole childhood and I um at the same time like eventually at about like age 12 I was just like do I even want to be alive you know I was just like I just was like preparing for my mum to die at any minute because I was just like she's really sick and I keep being told that there are she's about to die and then like I kept feeling like I wanted to die and then really like the one like my sister was always like shut behind a door like we didn't get along when we were younger um so I didn't really think about her much but then the one like stable sort of person who I would saw as a as like a sort of a reason to live was like my dad and he really you know he was off working all the time but he like really held up the uh the house and then that was like how I related to grief until my dad <laughs> suddenly died um, in 2017 and now I think of have experienced grief in like a different way um, but yeah it's that sudden death like going from thinking my mum was going to die all these years to then and thinking that I wanted to die and then having a brief sort of interlude where I didn't want to die anymore which mm -hmm. was like when I was 19 2016 and then 2020 not 2020 that's this year 2017 like I was like just starting to like yeah let's go life woo and then my dad just suddenly died and I was like whoa didn't know that was an option mm. in like you know the um didn't know that was an option in the the remote control mm. <laughs> you know so um that's yeah and that just opened up a whole new world of mine and like the world sort of like the context that I currently live in um yeah which is informed by the past of course but it's yeah different wow. every day yeah. yeah interesting right <laughs> yeah um yeah I guess you know, when they talk about, um, when, when people talk about death, um, they say that it, it hits hardest when you have no time to prepare. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you didn't have much time to actually emotionally prepare for your dad dying and yeah. having that s suddenly, like, it, it would throw your whole world, everything you thought about the world that would was your world was just thrown up in flames yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah. yeah um 
Yeah, 100%. My dad died very suddenly. Um, like, he died at the gym one Sunday morning. And, yeah, it was just really no... Not many warning signs. Like, he just had, like, a massive heart attack. And I was like, way to go out, you know? Wow. <laughs> but, like... Have yeah, you had really heart attacks the in the past? No. He had, like, a whole family. Like, his whole side of the family had pretty much died from heart disease. So, um... I know in the first, in like the few weeks before he died, he was prescribed cholesterol tablets, but I don't believe he was taking them. Who knows why? Um, and yeah, he was meant to go to the doctor to get a heart check and everything. But I think because his parents died when he was young from both from heart related problems that I think it was really just fear driven and you know, there's nothing scarier to some people than facing your own mortality mm. and thinking maybe of like putting your kids like in the same position that like he was in as a child as a young adult maybe mm. yeah can't really can't really know of course but um yeah he was like having a, he was like always in pain and like having a few symptoms but I didn't live I didn't live in my family home at the time um yeah so so I moved out when I was like 19 so um yeah, I wasn't really there a lot in the few months prior. But yeah. <laughs> so, so, if we go back to that day, yeah, uh, is it okay if we go yeah, back to that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, where were you at the time? How did you find out? Yeah, so, um, I was at my house, which was like, up, just like up the road from my parents' house. And I had just <laughs> moved in with these... I, like, had gone out my comfort zone. Like, I mentioned before that, like, at 19, I was like, yes, let's live life. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I want to live with, like, two random people and, like, get to know, you know, like, go out my comfort zone and do that. So I just moved in with these two lovely ladies. Like, that sounds such a, like, a weird phrase, lovely <laughs> ladies. These two, like, lovely people. Um, like, I'd say a month or, like, three weeks before it happened. And... It was really just a chill morning. I was just like downstairs, made this amazing smoothie bowl, and I used one of those like coconut bowls, which were like the rage at the time, mm. like made out of coconut shell. <laughs> and I took like an Instagram and I was like, look at me and my coconut bowl. Mm. And I had just on the Friday, he died on a Sunday. Um, on the Friday, I had just finished like a, um, like a peer work certificate thing, like a qualification y thing. And I was so excited because I was like, this was like my new life, you know, like I always think about my life starting at 19 years old. So mm. I was like, this is my, I'm so excited. Like I was studying social work at the time. I was like, I'm going to be a peer worker. I'm going to be a social worker. This is going to be so great. I was so happy that day. Like what on earth? And it always happens like that. You're always so happy before something terrible happens, I think. Um, but yeah, anyway, he was... He always went to the gym at nine o'clock every single Sunday and he was meant to take, um, I think like other family to the theatre, like drive them there. Mm. And basically he was not like home in time for that, which was like at 11. So I got a call, um, from my mum who was like freaking out and my yeah, and then I, like, it was just this whole thing. I didn't live with my sister at the time either. Like, she lived with her friend in another house. So, like, we were all, like, apart. And I was just on the phone, like, my mum, my sister, you know, all around. And I was just like, everyone chill. Like, my dad's a helper, you know? I was like, my dad's gone in the ambulance with someone to the hospital because, like, he's, you know, he's he's gone paramedic and he's doing the CPR and he's doing the, yeah, like, legit, like, the strangest thing to think now that I think of it. But I'm like, you know, that's, like, so classic my dad. He would go into an ambulance and help someone get to the hospital. Um, So I really just, like, was staying positive and I was like, it's totally just that, you know? And what were they saying? Um, Like, my family was really just, like, like, we were all just as confused as each other. Mm. And, like, it was all just a big like there wasn't really much like structured communication it was all like I'll call the hospitals like I'll do this whatever and because I like to know things I like to know things that are happening so I said I'm going down to the gym and I'm gonna see what's happening mm -hmm. 
And so I went to the gym and there was a sign on the door and it said, like, due to an emergency, like, we've shut. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, like, I sort of thought, oh, it's confirmed. Like, my dad's gone to help someone. And then I saw his car in there and I was like, oh, like, his car's there. Like, he's gone in the, like, with the paramedics to the hospital. Mm. And can we just, like, like, I just need to say here that, like, I just assumed that someone had gone to the hospital, right? And that my dad was in the mm. ambulance. Like, I didn't think it could be any other situation, which is, like, really weird, right? Like, when you think about it. But um, then I ended up door knocking across the road and I was, like, knocking on everyone's doors and I was like, do you know what happened at the gym and all this stuff? And they were like, oh, there was a fire truck here. Like, you know, they, they didn't look like they were really rushing, so probably everything was fine. And I was like, oh, maybe there was a fire and he's just somewhere. I still didn't think he was dead, right? Like, super interesting. And I assume, like, everyone was calling his mobile at the time and calling around. Yeah, true. I actually didn't call his mobile once. I'm sure other people were. Good point. Were you calling anyone? Were you calling hospitals? Or... I called Caulfield Police Station mm. and I was like, like... I want to report someone missing. Mm. And they were like, how long's it been? And I was like, an hour. They were like, well, no, mm. <laughs> you know? But um, I said, oh, but can you check if there's any ambulances that have gone to like any of the hospitals around? And then they were like, yeah, we can help with that. Mm. So they like helped with that. Um, but anyway, and then on the door at the gym, I saw like a number for like the owner. They were like, so I called that number and he was like, he picked up and I was like, hi, like I'm Eugene's daughter, just wanting to know what, what's happened at the gym, you know, like I see his car here, whatever. Um, and at this point I was like getting a little more like stressed. I was like, something's obviously wrong, right? Mm. And then he, he was like, look, like, I don't really know what's happened to him, but like he's gone in the ambulance. <laughs> that's all he said so I was like is he helping someone <laughs> still very committed to that story um and the guy was like no no like he's gone to the hospital and I was like I was like is he dead and he's like look I, I don't know like I can't really tell you so he I was like can you just tell me like if he was conscious like you know when he was leaving in like the ambulance like we're so confused we've got no idea what's going on and he was like yeah look it just I think he obviously he was just nervous um to tell me like my dad had died but he was like yeah the paramedics were working really hard on him so I was just like okay thank you so much like bye um and then I just thought you know what like I kind of think my dad's dead now so I just drove to like my parents' house, and when I got there, like, the police were there. And I was, like, literally, out loud, I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then, like, that's literally what happened. And then wow. they were like, he's dead. And I was like, yeah, duh, like, you're, you're standing at my door, like, obviously he's dead. Like, police don't come for fun, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, like, I tell this story very, like, I've told it, like, so many times, because, yeah. like, everyone, you know, like, after someone dies, like, they just everyone wants to know what happened and like I was really the only one that was like not sitting in a house at the time mm. I was like out there trying to figure it out like you know detective clubby um so yeah like it's very you know like there was no I really was just like I don't even know if I could swear on that sorry no you can swear thanks <laughs> really I was just like I saw them and I was just like I really just thought, like, oh my gosh, like, why does this need to happen, like, right now? I was just like, why? You know? Like, there was no, like, dramatic reaction by me. I was just, like, walked into my sister and I was like, oh gosh, like, here we go. You know? Like, I just, you know, like, as I said before, like, we had a very, like, interesting, like, I, I, I spent my whole, like, childhood, like, facing death and, like, thinking that I was going to, like, dealing with, like, imminent death and then, like, dealing with like an actual death I was just like oh this is what it feels like you know so uh, and did it feel anything like you imagined it um I just remember being like I think my first thought was really like 
Well, actually, my first thought, it's kind of funny, but my first thought was like the past year and a half of my therapy with my psychologist was a waste of time because all I did was talk about my parents and like my like issues with my dad and like my mom <laughs> and that's like the first thing I said to my sister I was like that was a waste of time all that therapy um but apart from that I just felt like I just like I honestly felt like I'm just already thinking about the future I was like this is gonna be so hard to deal with you know I was mm. thinking like Am I going to want to, like, die again? Is this going to, like, push me over the edge? Like, I was kind of... Just went into this, like... It sounds really, like, self-absorbed. But I went into this, like, immediate panic about myself. Mm. Like, actually. Um, because I have sort of, like, was raised to, like, get over things really quickly. So, as soon as he died, I was like... Alright, he's dead. There was no, like... I had no period of, like, disbelief. There was no, like... I had I, I believed it straight away. I was like, all right, like what do we do to like move on? Like mm. straight away, right? It was like super weird. Um Yeah. And then obviously like the days following like were really hard. Like I would wake up crying and I was just like, Oh, like why does this have to like happen? Like what you know, like you you miss like obviously like I missed my dad at the time, right? Like I never asked why, because I've always believed you know, like, I've always believed, like, if it happens, if th things happen and they happen and there's no why, there's just, things just happen, is what I've always seemed to believe. But, like, I just, yeah, sorry, I feel like I'm going no, really, no. like, <laughs> wild yeah. with this question. But, um... So you were able to accept it pretty quickly? Yeah, without like... Without fighting... Yeah. The reasons why. And yeah. Why. I'd say, like, acceptance and sort of believing it are, like, two semi-different things to me. Like, I definitely... I just... I think there's sometimes, like, I hear, like, when people hear that their loved ones have died, they're, like, there's this period of, like, denial and, like, complete, like, utter just Like, some people, like, really don't move on from the fact that they're, they've actually died mm. and I just feel like in that as soon as I saw the police I was like alright he's dead you know can't do anything about it like like let's let's just deal with it now you know and then I feel like acceptance to me is like accepting like everything about the death everything that comes after mm. the death everything that I, I'm you know, like, having to deal with ongoing to deal with it. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of the way... Yeah, acceptance I... is, like, the bigger picture. Yeah. The the domino effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, would you say that acceptance is the grief process? That's a great question. Um, yeah, probably, like... Yeah, when you yeah, when you put it like that, like it probably is a good summation of it. Um I think that acceptance is like very ongoing, like it's it's very you know, for me at least it's every time something comes up like a milestone or, you know, where I'm like oh, it'd be so cool if my dad was here mm. I just I have to like it's kind of like a new process to like accept is not going to be here for that or when I think about like this you know like this great adult relationship I always wanted with him that like I'm never going to get I was just like you know like it's sort of like this ongoing realization and like ex I just have to keep it's like acceptance isn't just like a thing for me that happens and then I like move on mm. it's like ongoing I have to remind myself you know like mm. I've got to like but yeah, I think that pretty much is the process. It's like feeling things, maybe like, it's like feeling things about the death, grieving it, like just being with it, but then like accepting that it is the way it is at the same time, mm. like while also struggling. Mm. And then I guess, like it sounds like at every new like life stage, then there's a new... Um, a new cycle of acceptance that you you have yeah. to start at square one again. Yeah, it does feel like that sometimes, definitely. Yeah. Um, 
yeah I think like I've had to it's also like accepting the yeah it's interesting that we got to the word acceptance like never even thought about like this mm. <laughs> things come out um but it's really like yeah I just yeah what you said is like mm. a pretty good summation how do you because you mentioned that um when you were younger um from around the age of seven you said that you had that um obsession with your own death and wanting to die and then that's kind of stopped um around the age of 19 and um how how did your dad's death change or not change those thoughts around your own death great question um i think that i definitely like at many like many times during like that first period from like around like eight to 19 like there was a lot of deep dark moments where I was like you know like I really want to die um and then after like I had I was like I feel grateful that I had this buffer at like 19 where I was like I actually feel okay to like be alive now and like I had this like optimism and then when my dad died it's like it didn't like it didn't come back like I didn't feel like I yeah I didn't feel like I wanted to die um but I did start to feel very I got very like rebellious about life but not like in the typical way you might think of it but like when my dad died I just I went through this thing where I was like and I'm still like I'm still going through it to be honest where I'm like I just want to do what I want to do when I mm. want to do it, mm. how I want to do it. I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to like start at the bottom and work my way to the top and then just like, mm. I don't want to have to feel certain ways. Like I just like, which is such a classic like millennial thing sometimes where it's like, I just want to, it's like instant gratification thing, but I never had it until my dad died. And I was like, if my dad can just drop dead at any point, like why like you know it's like that that means i can drop dead at any point as well mm. which means why should i have to work so hard in life to like achieve things and to like be a person who like feels good enough to be on this earth do you know it's like that's really like the major change that's happened so it's like i want to be alive like life is great you know in general like i love my friends like i love i just I love, I love, like, growing, you know, and, like, being alive to, like, see great things, you know, that you see when you're alive, but it's, like, like, I go through it, and I'm just, like, why, the the thought that most often comes up is, like, I'm happy to be alive, but it's, like, why is it so hard, mm. do you know, like, that's really... Why is it so hard to be alive? Yeah, like, mm. not, like, in a suicidal way, just, like, in a... It's just like in a... Like, what is... It's like in a... Curiosity, or...? Yeah, it's like in a... I sort of am just waiting... Ugh, it's a bit like... Let me collect my words. It's like... It's like I'm sitting here being... It's like I'm sitting here thinking my life could end at any point. Mm. Not through suicide, because that was the only way I'd ever thought of my death. I'd never thought of it through any other means. Mm. But then now, I don't think of it through suicide anymore... But I think of it as, like, there's nothing stopping me from, like, getting a terminal illness or, like, dropping dead. Sure. And I'm just, like, it's, like, I'm sort of just, like, waiting for it to happen. Yeah. As yeah. a result of, like, my dad dying. And then it's kind of stunted my, like, ambition and, like, my desire to really... To wait. Achieve things. Yeah. And to, like, achieve things in life. And, mm. Yeah, to wait. It's a, true. You know? And, like... Well, it's, it's, it's like, a confusing. Beauty. I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. No, it's, like, and it's, like, a, in a way, it's, like, you've got this enlightened impatience towards yeah. life. <laughs> because you know... It's you so know true. how fucked... Yeah. You, you, you know that things can end in an instant. Like, it's reminding me... I don't know if you listened to Gideon's episode. You know yeah, Gideon? I did. Yeah. A while ago. And he said this part about um, 
which I'll never forget. He said something like, you know, you get let on in, in on this secret that no one else your age knows mm-hmm. about. He was around the same age as you. Yeah. At 18, I think. And this secret that you know, your parents are going to die and, and everyone's going to die. And mm-hmm. like, it's, like, what? <laughs> it's like, you, it, until you get let on in that secret, every, the whole world is a different place. Yeah. And a hundred percent. Yeah. The, so interesting. Yeah. So for you, what was it that brought the change in terms of feeling suicidal um, and not feeling suicidal? Um, like probably mostly therapy, (laughs) um, like going to my psychologist, um, like basically like, but what was it that, cause it's not just the psychologist, what was it? It's me. (laughs) Yeah. What was it that you figured out about yourself? Well, I basically just figured out that I wanted, like from what I can think, like, I just feel like I've figured out that I wanted to live and that it's like why I really just figured out that there was good things like in life that I could like be a part of um and I think that like I had an experience in my gap year which probably formed like which helped me towards this um this shift where like my there was like a social worker as part on my like program um, she was like one of the late, like the heads of the program and she within like I'd say like two days of meeting me knew that like there was something up with me you know like it was like a very it was interesting because it's like a bit tangential but like it was really interesting because before I actually went on my gap year there was this whole debate between my parents and my psychologist at the time I went and then like obviously like you don't go overseas and suddenly don't become depressed and suicidal just you just it's the same just in a different country mm. <laughs> and I um yeah so this social worker I was like the head of my program just noticed within two days that like I couldn't do basic like tasks and I was like very much like withdrawn and then like I think she would like she would just be really nice to me and then about two weeks after I came she realized like my area of, like, my dorm room was, like, a pigsty, and, like, it was smelling, like, I didn't know how to, like, shower myself properly, like, I just, I didn't grow up, I was depressed for, like, really, like, all these formative years, like, I didn't learn, like, proper shower routine, like, Mm. none of that, like, brushing my teeth, shower, like, I just, I didn't understand, like, how to do it, and, like, yeah, so it's, like, she noticed within, like, the first few weeks that, something was up and she came to me and she took me down to the shop and she like she was just like so kind like she gave me this amazing attention without me even Mm -hmm. having to talk and it was like she took me down to the shop we got like some body soap and like some some stuff and like it's a really like this is stuff like I haven't even like told my friends really because I just think it's a bit like I'm like oh like it's like hard to understand like which teenager like doesn't learn how to of child like doesn't learn how to like shower and stuff but the reality is like I just didn't <laughs> um you know because of events and really it was like that was like my biggest turning point where an adult like showed such care for me in that like those two weeks that I was like oh my gosh like there are actually people that care mm. that was basically like where the turning point was started and then the same like sort of, like, the same social work, like, helped me out, like, throughout the whole year, and, like, really helped me to, like, grow, and I came back, and I was, like, I think I can live. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was well, so, so, it was sort of the impact of actually seeing that someone cared for you and, and saw that you had much more potential than you were, um giving yeah to and and is that is am I getting that right yeah no a hundred percent like it was really you know it's like it's hard for me to recall a lot of things because along with like depression and suicidality is like comes forgetfulness and for me like and you know kind of like loss of a lot of my memories from teenagehood and 
childhood and everything just because I wasn't really switched on. Mm. But it's like, that's really the one moment where I was like, I thought, oh, like, this is the first time that I feel like this adult is like someone who just understood me and they didn't even know me. Mm. And I just understood the power of like people that care in that moment. I think with parents, it's really hard when you're a teenager or a child to like understand that your parents do care for you in like whatever capacity. And I think that I always knew that like my dad cared about me. Um, but the reality of that was that my dad like had to work a lot and was like not home very often. And like my dad was like going through a lot of his own things from like his childhood that he never got help for that just meant that he was very like blocked off emotionally so like he did his best to like support me but I think that I needed someone who helped supported me in the way that I that I was receptive to Mm. more do you know what I mean like Mm. Mm. so as soon as I saw that I was like whoa that's life Mm. interesting and what about your choice to go into a helping profession as a counsellor yeah um it's a it's definitely like I want to work in the schools like in a school setting because why school setting um like school was just a very tough time like attending school depressed Mm. and feeling suicidal was like very difficult with like no one around really knowing or like understanding if like I didn't feel like anyone understood me um which is like not abnormal for young people anyway but um yeah I just felt that I wasn't really listened to or I didn't really get the attention I was like seeking from the school and you know I had really interesting experiences in like year 12 where like I actually um like cheated on a sack in year 12 and I got caught out And, like, year 12 was, like, the worst year, like, ever. And I was, like, I ended up, like, cheating. And I was, like, social action captains. They were, like, you know, they were, like, threatening me to, like, strip my social action captaincy and, like, making me sound like a really bad person. Whereas, like, I'm just at home, like, struggling my, you know, my butt off. And, like, I don't have the brain space to write my essays. You know, I need to copy them from online or like I need to yeah like this this thing was I took someone's from the printer and didn't have the brain space to think that they would find out that I copied someone else's essay so uh sorry to the person (laughs) um but it's like everything in school that like was like wrong like inverted commas like with me was like disciplined Mm. instead of like instead of explored explored exactly Mm. Mm. So mm-hmm. I, that's really motivated me to work in the schools, to, mm-hmm. like, be a type of school counsellor and, like, school, just, like, staff member that I know that if there's, like, a me in a school, then it's, like, represents, like, accountability and, like, listening and not fobbing, you know, children off, mm. basically. So, yeah, that's really where my yeah. drive to be in the schools come from. Because, yeah, I guess... There's so much loneliness um, that kids face when they're going through mental health challenges while mm-hmm. they're at school. Like the loneliness of, you know, trying to fit in with friends, trying to even make friends, and even once you've made friends, being yourself around them or even mm-hmm. figuring out who the fuck you are yep. as yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, you know, <laughs> while you're dealing with, you know, you. you thinking you're the only one in the world facing those particular mm-hmm. um, emotional struggles or or even like someone was saying, Guy Sam we had on our podcast was yeah. saying that he thought it was totally normal to just be suicidal at the age of 13 yeah. and thought that everyone yeah, felt that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's like real profound kind of um, isolation and loneliness, but um, like so is grief. Yeah, and I guess, I guess I'm wondering um, how they compare mm-hmm. in your perspective. Yeah, 
they um I have thought about this. Um, I think well, like if we're talking about like compared when like from like loneliness as a child to like grief as a more like an more young adults. Yeah, and that loneliness of grief as a young adult. Yeah. yeah, true. I think that it's I found like I remember like sitting with my psychologist like after my dad died and I was like she was like I just like I said something first but she was like I just feel like this isn't the hardest thing you've ever been through mm. and I was like exactly that's exactly what I'm feeling like I just feel like I, you know like once I sort of thought about it all I was just like I was like I knew that I'd got this but I just think that as an I, th- I think that I had more resources in my brain and like in my, my sphere as a young adult going through like the loneliness of grief mm-hmm. than I would have like as a child but I did have like some really tough experiences like throughout like of like of loneliness grieving my dad like in the early days but it wasn't so much early it was like three months after when I felt like everyone had forgotten mm-hmm. and I was it was just such a common experience and I was just sitting there like on my bed one day being like being like like what is just feeling like so alone and really that was like probably the 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 peak I call it where of like loneliness where I was like I was just like I don't know how I'm going to deal with this and all that but then it's like I could go to my sister and talk to her I could go to a friend and talk to them and that just like eases the burden Mm. Do you know, like more than it could have at any other point in my life. Mm. Why? Because it was a shared experience that your sister, your sister was also facing that grief, whereas your sister wasn't necessarily facing the same mental health struggles that you were in high school. Yeah, I mean that is a good point. Um, yeah, it's definitely that's definitely part of it. I just think that when I was younger there was no I just like anyone could have said anything and I wouldn't have felt any different I think just like when my dad died like I went you know in the months after I felt lonely I felt like you know I still do at times but like I just feel like I knew that I had people around me that I could Mm. talk to which I just didn't feel before that mm, it's mm. really like it's a really simple answer but I think it just comes mm. with age yeah for me yeah you know? I, I, like I wonder really... whether you gained um some kind of mental strength from going through all those experiences as a kid like 100 you, you developed <laughs> like... some kind of foundation oh yeah. absolutely yeah. like it was I think that that is something I think that I was like lucky for in a sense that I had something already to com- as a 20 year old I had other really tough experiences to compare mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to compare this grief to right yeah, yeah. there was perspective on it yeah so yeah. I had this thing where I was like oh, I already got through my whole childhood mm. and teenage years like like this is you know easy work yeah obviously like that wasn't true <laughs> like it's you know my dad dying is like still bloody stressful to this day at times and it's like not a fun experience and not something I wish upon anyone. Um, but you know, for me, it's just, yeah, I just realized that I really, I had an experience to look back on to be like, Oh, I had that. Mm. I've got this. Mm. And as a 20 year old, that's really valuable mm. because a lot of the time, if when you do experience like young, like death as a young adult of like a parent, like it's often like the first time, like you recall, like the worst thing happening but I feel like it just wasn't the first time. Mm-hmm. So I guess I had... I think that's played a role in my... In my... um, Every experience I have now. I'm like, I look back to my... That, how I felt when I was younger and I was like... I can do this now, you know? Like, mm. it's like the key time in my life where I'm like... Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah, super interesting. And I just wanted to go back to the first few months of um, grieving um, when you when you did feel like at the three month mark that 
um, pe the, you know, people had kind of left. But in, I know in like Jewish tradition, um, they have all those people coming to your house. Do you want to maybe just yeah. explain it to the listeners who aren't Jewish? Because I yeah. know about it. But yeah, like JV, just explain it in basic terms what the process is. Absolutely. So um, the process basically is that the person, after the person dies, um, there's a thing called a shiva week, which is basically a week where you, you know, um, immediate family stays in their home, sits on like really low chairs. Um, and people just, it's just a stream of people come over, there's prayers at night, and is there more to it? No, but I was going to ask a question, but you keep yeah. going. Um, but yeah, it's, it's basically, it's part of a, a one year process where, um, like, there's the initial seven days and then there's like 30 days which is called like shloshim which you do another set like a prayer service mm. and then this is if you you know observe this type of judaism um and then a year after is like when the mourning period ends and you can go to like celebrations again like you're meant to like not listen to music or live music i think or just music in general, for a year or go to big, like, gatherings or celebrations because you're meant to be, like, really... It's a really beautiful process if you think about it, like, deeply enough. It's like, you know, they're, like, a one year of, like, grief. You know, that's all you're meant to, like... You're meant to think about that the most, like, the whole year and then once the year is over, it's, like, you know, like, resume life. Is that how it actually worked? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, that's neat. <laughs> yeah, no, not as neat as that. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. Um, no, it probably got like the hardest after a year. But um, yeah, what was the um? Was oh, there well, a question there? Yeah, well, I was going to interrupt with a question. And when when you said stream of people, yes. Um, what was that like? Because I've been to a lot of these shivers. Yeah. Um, and seeing friends just getting overwhelmed by these people coming, literally lining up, mm -hmm. hundreds of people lining up to say, you know, long life and their, their best yeah. wishes. And everyone, like your old school teachers, yeah. your friends from <laughs> kindergarten, your, your, your like your people you work with, just random exes, whatever, like yeah. everyone. And I... Yeah, I guess I'm just interested, like, what was that like for you? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, a completely, like, lovely but stressful experience. Um, I think the most stressful part for me is that, like, um, like, my family is, like, notoriously, like, very private about, like, life. And I think that my dad was, like, very involved with our local, like, Jewish community um, at the local, like, synagogue. And they had these like ex like they I felt like they were grieving more than I was mm. like they came with these like extravagant stories and I was like I'd never heard them before I was like what on earth are you talking about <laughs> like wow um you know like he helped this one and this one and like got this one into private school for like lower money and like paid for this thing and I'm like what on earth <laughs> like hello and I <laughs> so I literally for a whole week was just listening to those like stories like over and over and over which was lovely but um I was just really overwhelmed at the end and I think I actually left that week questioning my relationship with my dad like from being like I felt really sad because I was like all these adults have had like adult relationships with him and then I was like oh I can't relate mm. you know and even like even now like I was at dinner with my cousin cousins the other week and my cousin who's like 40 she was like yeah and like your dad told me to do this and do this and I was like I was like oh it's kind of like sad for me like you know that you didn't see that side of him no that like I'm not gonna like have that sort of like support right and for like adult yeah. decisions yeah 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 but yeah like the stream of people was just like it really was like it was great it's so comforting like we're so lucky as like to ha like to have community is like a wonderful thing like you know no one ever like I think I'm grateful for community in general like in whatever form um yeah but it was stressful as and I was like so yeah I just left that week being like well because you're was I even close with my dad 
you yeah, know? Yeah, right. Because everything's on display. Like, yeah. All your emotions are... But then I guess because it's on display, you're probably not able to just authentically grieve and yeah, be by yourself in the emotion of it because you're constantly around people. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, my default mechanism is to laugh when I'm in, like, stressful situations. And Same. Yeah, right? And I just, like, kept laughing. And, like, there's this, like, prayer they come up to you and everyone lines up to, like, say this thing oh, above yeah. to you. Yeah. And I just, like, kept laughing. And it's so rude. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm sitting on this chair. They're all being so nice. They're all, like, really, like, sincere. And I'm, like, by, like, the 10th person out of, like, 150. I'm, like, me and my sister are just, like pissing ourselves yeah, yeah we were like honestly we were just like oh my gosh like yeah well, it's pretty funny <laughs> laughing because because it's like people are coming up to us and saying this line of prayer that just it, it i don't even know what it translates to it's something like uh, something in jerusalem like god is great yeah, something, so, yeah something of the sort it's like like in the gates of somewhere it, like and what it's a standard it's a standard like Jewish thing to say mm. it's like the way of expressing like I'm sorry for your loss mm. but we were just laughing because we were like like just could be thinking of like a hundred better things to do right now mm. like going for a drive or like going to bed mm. Mm. <laughs> or like you know um I don't know so it just, just was really the opposite of funny. comforting it was it was like weird yeah, yeah. The weirdness of yeah sitting like, there and not feeling aligned with yeah. Where they were at. Yeah, I think it probably was a bit of that. Because I, um, Gideon, who I'm really close with, said that he, so he was the one who came on the podcast. Yeah. Know? And he said that he often ended up in, in these rituals and processes and, and even like social events, he ended up comforting the person more than them comforting him. Yeah. Always. So that's what this kind Absolutely. of sounds like. That yeah. you, were, oh, 100%. you were just like sitting there yeah. so they could do their thing that was making them feel better yeah, while you were really, yeah. 100%. Like, yeah. that's also just like emotional. I think like my default is like emotional deflection at times. Like, mm. And I just was like, would, would have rather give people the attention for them rather than have people like ask me, how are you doing? Because like those questions, like, how are you doing? I'm like, how do you fucking think I'm doing? Mm. Like, it's been three days. Like, <laughs> you know. Sunshine's and rainbows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're all so well-meaning, but I yeah. didn't, I just didn't want to answer the, that question over and over. Like, mm. how are you doing? People, like, would come and be like, oh, like, you know, are you going to live with your mum and take care of her forever? I'm, like, mm. I'm 20 fucking years old. Like, go away. Yeah. And then I was like, like, people that are sitting in your house three days after this person said, you haven't thought about a thing other than, I'm bloody tired mm. and th- you've got people shooting you with questions like you know like asking my mum if she's going to downsize I'm like mate are you like off? Like, I'm just like hello it's just like ridiculous questions that come out of people's mouths and I again like maybe it's well meaning I don't know but I was just like would I just tried to like not let people ask me how I was because I knew that I would not be like answering the question very I felt like I was gonna like be passive aggressive and like rude Mm. so I was like I'm just gonna talk to you all about how you're feeling and that'll make me feel better Mm. you know (laughs) not give myself the chance to be rude and then feel bad and then apologize and yeah you know yeah so classic me but uh (laughs) so what would you if if a close friend of you experienced um the death of a loved one what would you be doing maybe differently to what you would have done before you lost your dad? Yeah. Um, I think that I've, I have had a few like close friends who have lost their parents since my dad died. And, um, I, I think that, well, anyway, that's really not the point, but I just prefer to, um, start again I like it's, it's like a really good question because it's like you don't like it's so funny because like I'm an overthinker so it's like I always like overthink the way I support people and but really it's just listening to the person mm. and being like there 
to like to really like act basically not to make a not to make false promises um i think false promises are the one thing that were made to me like like, like we're gonna catch up right. you know like i'm here yeah. f- we're gonna catch up mm. i'm here for you i never tell anyone that i'm here for them if i'm not here for them genuinely yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. i'm not i i'm not af- like i'm not afraid not to say i'm here for you because off like i can make an assessment on myself and be like i think people need to make a true assessment of themselves and be like am i really gonna be here like mm. for more than a day to like support this person am i you know it's it's kind of just like i think that when death happens and you know illness and and anything and you you know the person from like an eighth degree you just want to be there for them you know like you want to you want to help you want to support but I think that it can be quite counterproductive to like just message someone being like I'm sorry for your loss I'm here for you when you could just write I'm sorry for your loss yeah it's such an empty yeah yeah because sure. for me, because I have like a history of feeling like quite alone, I got like very hopeful every time someone was like, mm. I'm here for you. And then it turns out that like really none of those people were like actually here for me. And I was like, started questioning like people a lot more. And that definitely has stuck with me. Mm. But um, yeah, really long answer to the question. But um, no, that's that's really um, yeah, powerful. That's a, I've never heard that before. And yeah. I, the more that I think about it, that's such a powerful yeah thing to not make those promises. Yeah. Yeah. Empty platitudes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, also, you know, like making. I think when you do want to be there for someone, but you know, you know that it's not going to be long term necessarily. I think saying like what you actually can do, mm. be like, I can bring you coffee, you know, tomorrow. It's yeah. like being exact. Yeah, like that's not promising anything else. That's a really lovely act of kindness, and then the person will appreciate it in the moment because you need immediate support. You don't need everyone to be your long-term bestie, sure. you know. But it's like you don't need empty promises either. So. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's my. Yeah, I've definitely I've learned to really scale back on those because I think that. Yeah. That's how we all. That's how it's it's very common to approach things, people like that in tough situations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, it becomes more about that person meeting their own needs and curing their own discomfort yeah. than the actual person who's grieving. And Yeah, um, exactly. I think it's all really mm. well-meaning. Mm. I think it all comes from a good place at the end of the day. Um, but... Um, yeah, I would, I would, I would like to say that I think that a lot of people would agree with mm. this uh, empty promise thing. Yeah. You know, like we feel the most comfortable trying to give the support and just, you know, but, um, yeah. Mm. But yeah, like, it's like, it's not about your comfort in that time. It's about the other person. And, and at the end of the day, like the other person isn't thinking like (laughs) if someone messages you and is like you know like sorry for your loss whatever whether it's got something else attached to it or not like well at least I wasn't thinking like too deeply about a message at the time right I'm just more like that's so nice yeah you know but I remembered the ones where they're like I'm here for you and then I want to catch up I want to do this and then they just don't pull through they cancel like seven times and I'm like Alright, see ya. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah, like, now I just don't trust people. Yeah. <laughs> so, on another podcast. <laughs> Round two. Cute trust issues. Uh, <laughs> LOL. Well, anyway, I know. So, so, for podcast listeners' context, we are actually in the car because <laughs> I can't glow into doing this because it's the best acoustics. But we it's can see around the, the car. It's like, um, what's the, how do you describe oh, like the windows? Mist? Yeah, there's Frost? like mist around the windows because it's like 30 degrees. I thought that so, happens in the cold. That's weird. Yeah, I don't That's know. Very confusing. Um, 
So I guess we better. Um, oh, she's just drawn a heart. <laughs> I guess we better finish up soon um, before we heat to death. Haha, <laughs> 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 death. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yes. Is is there anything that you would want to tell listeners? You know, like if there's someone listening that is going through. Oh, actually, let's not make it like that. Let's make it the other way around. Um, <laughs> let's make... Tell, why don't you tell listeners something... Um, listeners who have both their parents and who are lucky enough to have both their parents still alive. Um, is, is there anything that you would want to say? Oh, wow. Sorry, that's a big question. You, you can have time to think about it. But I, I just, it just sort of came to me because I was going to ask, yeah. is there anyone, anything you would say to people who are grieving? But I, I think you've done a brilliant job of that. And um, I, I, I think my, my next question is sort of the opposite, like opposite of grieving, you know, living and, and yeah. embracing that the person being alive. What would you... What would you want to share? Yeah, it's a great point. Um, I think that. Ooh. It's a really interesting question because I always. I do think about this sometimes, and I think that. I'm like, I always think that people have an answer to this, but really, like, I always think of it in, like, a very holistic way where I'm like, I don't want to tell people be grateful for your parents because I don't know what you've been through. Like, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I don't know, like, how you feel. You know, there's so much complexity, like, that goes on in family units that, like, I don't, like, you know, just sending out a message, like, you know, like a, they treasure the the small times. I'm like, doesn't really do it for me. But, like, I guess it's more like I would... I, I like I would encourage anyone who has like who feels like they could grow with like their parents as like like if we're talking about to people like my age like 23 it's like don't I guess like if you feel like you could grow as adults like with your parents but like you think it's too hard or you think like it's it's just kind of like not worth it maybe like keep rethinking it Mm. and try to think like whether some things are worth like cutting each other off or whether it's worth like not addressing I think like obviously it's much easier said than done to like you it takes two to tango um or three if you've got both parents um but um yeah does that kind of make sense like I just think it's kind of like if you've got like pain points with your parents like, it doesn't just apply if you have two parents. Mm. Yeah, it's a really, like... It's mm. just, like, if you have pain points with them, don't... And you feel like you can address it with them, like, don't put it off yeah, for, like, right. forever. Right. You know, like... Yeah? Mm. I don't know how to say it more eloquently. I think you said it really well. Oh, okay. Like, you know, keep <laughs> Well, what, what I understood from that, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but, like, keep challenging what you think your limits are. Yeah. Now, this is why you're a good podcast host. (laughs) 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 Yeah, no, exactly. Like, don't... Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Don't stop What you said. (laughs) Don't stop at what might be the easier... Yeah. ...place to stop. The easier place to stop. Mm. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Like, that's definitely what I would, I think... It's kind of like just before my dad died, like, I know this is the end of the podcast, but um, the night, something I didn't say before was that the night before my dad died, we had this, like, amazing conversation. Like, I went over to get a few of my things and we had this amazing conversation. It was like, it was like, it's kind of this, like, we agreed we're going to go for coffee on the Thursday and we were going to, like, we were actually going to go to, um, like, family therapy, which is me and my dad, because we had, like, a lot of, you know, like, I wanted to be alive now, he, like, was, you know, knew how to deal with me better that I wanted to be alive rather than dead, um, and 
it was just this like uh, this was literally the night before he died it was this amazing conversation and it left me with a lot of hope and the fact that he died after like we had that little conversation sort of made me realize that I'm glad I it was really hard to have conversations with my dad you know very emotionally closed off and everything but we had a plan and like then he died which is a shame because we can't like carry out those great adult you know relationship plans but I have peace knowing that like I didn't give up on our situation mm, mm, mm. like in life and that I really like stuck with the, the my growth guns with him and then like I was able to be like okay like we were on, we were on some track somewhere so mm. it's like happier memories because I think that like when you try and like you might get nothing like I got nothing emotionally like from my dad like for a lot of years you know like to what I thought I needed but then like eventually like there was a little breakthrough and it happened to be there was a few like over the year but it happened to be the biggest one happened to be the night before he died mm. and that's just because I was like you know like I understand your trauma I understand what the grief you've been through in life and I'm gonna keep trying with you and like I pushed myself and then like it worked out sort of <laughs> and mm. yes yeah, so it's really like that's sort of the situation I'm trying to like emulate as advice for other people to like you know not give up too easily mm. but that, within the context of course I think that's a beautiful yeah. note to end on thank, thank you. you thank you so much Chloe thank um, you yeah, I think. thanks, Jason. <laughs> Non-existent Jason, hiding in the booth. Okay. <laughs> that was making sense of chaos. A podcast about death, dying, love, grief, and hope. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.